the the really interesting learning is that I actually think that everybody, and I don't even know if there'd be an entity that wouldn't feel this way, is actually in some ways pulling for crews to do the right thing. And we can argue what the right thing would be, but I actually think because of where we are in the AV cycle, and Alex and I talked about this last month in Germany, um, the successes by AV companies are their own, but their failures are shared universally. So when Cruise has a problem, Waymo has a problem, and May Mobility has a problem. Hello, and welcome to the Atonicast. I'm Kirsten Korosek, transportation editor at TechCrunch. I'm Ed Niedermeyer. I'm the author of Ludicrous, the Unvarnished Story of Tesla Motors. And I'm Alex Roy, um, co-founder and principal of Johnson & Roy uh, Consulting, which is the greatest consultancy in the transportation sector. And full disclosure, I'm an investor in a fund run by today's guest, the wise He's not old. The wise, middle-aged, young man, middle-aged wise guy who runs uh, the most important <laughs> early-stage uh, investment fund in the world in transportation, uh, Trucks BC, um, Mr. Riley Brennan. Thanks very much for having me on. So Did you I have a question for Kirsten and Ed. Uh, Kirsten and Riley, but not Ed. Here it is. Okay. Ready? I saw this morning. Um, a post by Tim Timothy B. Lee in his Understanding AI newsletter, and it said the uh, this is an existential risk to cruise. Kirsten, you want to unpack what he's talking about? Oh, oh okay, I see. In a soft lead in, um, and instead of promoting my coverage, you promote someone else's. I get it. That's <laughs> you didn't say um, it's an existential. Okay, okay. I read an I'm amazing kidding. story written by Kirsten Korosek <laughs> about the most important thing to happen yeah. in, in transportation, automation, AI <laughs> since Elaine Hertzberg's death. Kirsten, no, I, tell us what your story I, said. So it's funny. Every fall, it seems like there's some shocking AV news stories. So a few years ago, it was. Um, Aurora buying Uber ATG last year, it was Argo suddenly shutting down. And this October, uh, cruise basically can't operate in the state of California anymore. Um, so it started out with the DMV suspending both of their permits. So really all that they have left is human safety operator. And then last night, CPUC followed up. Um, actually, I think, I think we might've had this story first. Um, they also suspended their ability to charge and carry, carry and charge passengers. So essentially they're, they're dead in the water in, in California. And the big kicker is why, um, we knew that they were under investigation for a number and series of incidents, but I think what really pushed DMV and really pissed them off is that there was a section of video that Cruz was, um, apparently didn't show DMV from this October 2nd incident in which they were the secondary vehicle to strike a pedestrian human driven vehicle hit the person first person landed in the lane cruise braked and then went over the person. And that was the end of the video, a video I also was shown the DMV saw that video, but turns out there was another seven seconds in which the cruise vehicle then started to pull over and dragged this human 20 feet. Um, so DMV, I think, was reacting mostly to that. Um, you know, it's always the cover-up that gets you, right? Which is interesting because the public 
well, a lot of the public response to this, just, I mean, you know, based on what I've seen is, is people seem to believe that it's a safety issue and not a transparency issue. And I think that's, I mean, and, and obviously, right. Safety, safety was clearly a factor here, but like the kind of, uh, just sort of pe- you know, reaction among people who don't follow the space really closely seems to be like the DMV shut them down because, you know, they hit a person and where, where, you know, clearly that was, that was part of it, but really the big part was they, as you say, they, they covered it up. Uh, the DMV already right. knew about the, about the, uh, the event, just not everything about it. I want to get yeah. Riley's opinion on all of this, but I do want to add just one tiny thing. Um, originally when I saw the video, um, I saw the abbreviated video and Cruz has admitted to me that they showed me an abbreviated video, but they stand by and insist that they show DMV the whole video. And that's possible. True, but I don't believe it because, um, and, and I think that's what really is. And I pointed this out to them. I think this is what really is going to hurt them is that all credibility is gone because they, they showed an abbreviated video to press and then now claim that they showed the whole video to DMV. Um, and so what was potentially a black swan event, potentially, actually that last seven seconds is super important because the vehicle did not react correctly. It reacted correctly and then it didn't react correctly when it tried to pull over. And had they shown it, it would have been bad for them, but this is way worse. The end. Okay. Riley? I guess there's a few things that are really interesting about this. Um, one is that I actually in some ways applaud California DMV for only um, making this about cruise because it, they could have easily gone the other direction and said all AVs are bad. Therefore, we're remove. You know, we're going to eliminate the ability for all these people to operate without a, uh, an attendant or even with an attendant. Um, and they've kept it specifically to cruise. So, you know, I think there's kind of this in my mind it's an amazing thing that they did this line item veto only on cruise. And there's some media that I've read in the last you know couple of days or seen tickers on, you know, when I walk by a TV at the airport about like autonomous vehicles shut down in San Francisco. And I think the fascinating part is just, we have obviously we all know that Waymo is still operating and um, there are a bunch of other DMV AV permits that are out there for about 30 companies. Um, some of whom are, of course, attendant, um, you know, piloted vehicles. But I think that's actually really fascinating because it shows we at least are at this sort of next phase where California is not willing to say that all of them are bad. Now, if something like this were to happen to Waymo, we might be in a different situation. But at the moment, I think my reaction to this is that it's a very cruise-specific thing. Um, and then to the comment you made, Kirsten, about the video. I don't know if it was your piece or another piece I read in the last day about when they were presented the video, they were told that it was the full video, um, you know, on October 3rd or October 4th, whenever you would have viewed that, which was obviously not only um, not truthful, but it was also, I think, to your point, um, the reason why the permit was pulled and why they're suspended isn't because of what happened on October 2nd. It's from what didn't happen on October 3rd, right? And, you know, what an incredible lesson for them to learn that the 
inability to operate in San Francisco isn't because of a technical reason or a quote unquote government reason, but actually a comms reason. Um, something that, you know, Alex has been, we've all been pointing to for a while, which is the comms piece of these, you know, AV systems is just as important as the technical piece and the government relations piece. This is just another proof of that. Yeah. I had one question for you. Um, so when I read through the order of suspension, which gives a lot of detail, and that's actually where the contents of the, the details about the video being um, withheld are in, the original press release didn't have any mention of that. Um, but when you read through it, I'm wondering, it's a little bit like guess it, guesswork, but had they done everything correctly and, and shared that full video and shared the full video with the press, um, do you think that they still would have been suspended because of one specific reason that there really was a bad decision that was made by this AV when it stopped correctly, it was over the person, and then it chose to try and pull over and do a pullover maneuver and and win about 20 feet dragging this person? Uh, do you think that that was enough that DMV would have... Even if Cruz had been completely transparent, that that um, it still would have been suspended. It's one of the great what ifs. Uh, it's a great question. I don't know. Um, I guess to, to clarify on that, what we would call now the the second seven seconds of that incident um, was that done. Was the maneuver to basically go to the side of the road? Was that done under full teleoperations control solely, or was that actually done? through the system itself robotically? That's a good question because Cruz says they don't do teleoperations. <laughs> so what, Really? Well, I mean, they they we know that they at one point worked with a teleoperations company in the background, um, but, but, you know, they call it remote guidance or, you know, path planning. So it, it's unclear. I mean, Cruz hasn't, hasn't indicated anything about that um, at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's better or worse. I'm not sure if it is either, but I, I at least think that it's instructive about how California could have reacted to it, um, because then at least you could have pointed to like, well, you know, we didn't have any training for that. And the person that did that is removed or, you know, there's some steps at least you could do to at least point to if it was teleop controlled. Um, to some extent, I actually think that would if we were to roll back the clock and do this, what if on October 3rd, that would at least be pretty instructive. And I'm not sure which way California would have leaned. Um, the other maybe interesting question, which I don't think anybody's answered in the, in the last three weeks is what's the status of that pedestrian? Um, I know that when I talked to a few journalists on October 3rd, that, you know, it was who had seen the video that, um, you know, it was a pretty bad crash um, because of the first, incident and then the second one with the cruise vehicle. And I don't know if anybody's actually talked to that person or their status at the moment. Kirsten, do you know anything about that? Um, I mean, all we know is that they are all the communication I've received from Cruz. Um, and the last time I talked to the police department, which was a while ago now, you know, that they were, you know, wishing for their recovery and that they were, you know, I don't even know if they're talking um, or talking to police because the other interesting piece is that with all this video, as far as I know, no, this, the human driver 
who made initial contact with this person, this pedestrian, has also not been arrested. And there's lots of video on that vehicle. I mean, I, I, I will say, like, I know that I've been asked on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now, um, are you sure, you know, are you telling us the truth? It's like, uh, yeah, you're not going to forget a video where you see a human being being hit. And I watched it more than a dozen times. Um, and I wasn't allowed to take a copy of it, which, you know, I think that's a future lesson for us and other press because it wouldn't have avoided Cruz um, lying to us, but, um, you know, they maybe, maybe it would have helped us uncover the exclusion fa- um, earlier. But it is very clear that a human driven vehicle hits the person on the left side. They fly over the trunk on top of over the windshield on top of the roof and down the right side into a, the lane where Cruz was then traveling slightly back, but you know, was traveling. So, um, you know, people are like, have you talked to this person? It's like, I don't know if this person's talking. It was pretty, pretty, pretty dramatic and traumatic, I think, to that person. What would you do, Alex, as our resident um, sort of comms and city interface person for a former AV company? Um, What would you do if you were having to run this issue if you were working at cruise or gm uh it's it's a bad situation Uh, i wouldn't want the job today um the potential i mean they should cease operations suspend driverless operations there probably indefinitely i mean look there's they need to probably ceremonially fire a bunch of people up and down the chain because they can know it's too late to go the well the uber atg route was literally the company went away it literally just went away got sold off and broken and broken up unless they intend to shut down crews uh the next best thing they could do is something that no av company has ever done which would be to expose the precise series of decisions management and technical that led to this event and then explain precisely how this event could never happen again. So that is not a comms problem. That is a very – it's a comms decision, which would then reveal the operational and technical issues. Because let's march through this. And I don't have all the details, but we can outline approximately what was not right here. So the cruise vehicle, through no fault of its own initially, struck a person. That was – okay. So the person was struck by the cruise vehicle. At that point, you've been in a collision. So what should the vehicle have done at that point? There's a thing called MRC, minimum risk condition, which is uh, a passenger can invoke by pressing the pullover button, or the vehicle can just default to because of a hardware or software failure. And a minimum risk condition can lead to the vehicle moving over to the side to let a passenger out or stopping in place. In this specific case, it's quite clear that it should have stopped and remained in place so as not to... Uh, incur additional injuries to this person, and it didn't. So that's first thing. Okay. The next thing is what, as you pointed out, how and why did the vehicle then proceed twenty feet and pull over? Was that under human operation or teleoper remote guidance? Whatever you want to call it, and whichever of those things it was, um, if there was a human involved, that human would need to have been notified as to what 
caused this MRC condition to be invoked and why should they move over? And if they realized if a human was in the loop and saw that a person was struck and potentially under the vehicle, that human would have said, don't move. And if it, there was no remote guidance involved, um, then uh, some software, some code was missing, which said, if human struck, don't move vehicle. <laughs> and so there's a series of things here. Um, decisions that were made previously that need to be uncovered and explained. And um, they really can't go driverless again there or anywhere until they have shown that they can earn back the trust that was lost. And they're already, the company's already on their back foot for months because tonally, and this is, this is the comms problem, tonally they have been aggressive. And so now they need to display countervailing force uh, in, a, a, uh, in the other direction to make up for what is now um, a profound failure. So. I agree. I think that's uh, that's a after only you know a minute or so of thinking about my question. I think that's a pretty interesting way to go about it. Um, it's interesting because I don't think many of these companies have shown, and all of them have shown a good. Um, there's not a lot of mea culpa case studies across the, the AV landscape that have d been done successfully. Um, Perhaps it's because they all needed to show excellence and forward progress and everything up and to the right. But we don't have a lot of good examples of that from my memory of any of these entities worldwide. And this would be the perfect opportunity for crews to do that um, if their leadership wanted to do that. And I think to your point, Alex, I think it's probably necessary that something that's structural, that it kind of exposes what happened in a way that goes beyond just a video, um, you know, that would be a great next step. So I would just to kind of build a little bit on, on sort of what Alex said, I, I don't think, so, so I think there needs to be account, some specific accountability around a, a specific piece of this, which is that, you know, Alex mentioned that Cruz has been one of the most aggressive in terms of their communications up to this point. And it's, it's worth being specific about that, what they've been aggressive, aggressively espousing, Kyle Vogt, the CEO founder in particular, is this idea, you know, that is a uh, an undercurrent at, at at the very least in a lot of of AV comms, which is that there may be issues in the short term, but it will all be right. It's this utilitarianism argument that like that like the lives saved at the end of the road are going to make you know any kind of things that happen in the meantime all worth it. I think there needs to be a moment. I think this is the moment where the entire sector, I think Cruise in specific needs to deal with this. And I think like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say like Kyle Vogt has to be like, has to lose his job, but I do think he needs to confront this because on a fundamental level, right? If you're saying, you know, we're, we're going to save so many lives that, that this is, you know, that what happens in this, in, you know, in, in, in individual instances don't, doesn't matter. You have to be transparent. Right. Because otherwise you're just saying, trust me. Right. You're saying these deaths or, or injuries or whatever it is that happen in the near term are going to be worth it because of of this safety advantage. Uh, but but then when you're hiding and, and again, like, you know, there's different levels of lack of transparency. And I think failing to show regulators the complete footage of a of an incident like this is like a damning example of like a cultural 
lack of commitment to any kind of transparency. And what people really, I think, need to get through their head and what I think crews, if they don't take this head on, I personally am going to have a really hard time, you know, moving forward with them as a, as a, you know, good player and, or like a, you know, reasonable actor in this space. They need to confront this issue that like, if you're going to say, you know, this will all be worth it. You have to also be committed to transparency because if you're not committed to transparency, you're saying this will all be worth it. Just trust me. And, and I think if we take anything away from this, this particular lesson, it's that, those days are over. We can't keep doing that. If you want people, if you want to build trust, it starts with transparency. And, you know, that's, that's the path that we have to take moving forward. So, um, I think this gets back to the root of the issue of why there haven't been mea culpas, not just from crews, but from others is because it's almost like this ideology that if they say, sorry, and we messed up or something like that, that it's somehow, negates the, but robots will save us all argument. And I think that there's a balance in there um, because on you have to admit, um, and, and Kyle actually did on our stage, like, yes, there will be incidents, but very quickly moved on, but it'll still be safer than human driven vehicles. And actually that's theoretical in a way because we don't have it at scale. We can certainly look at uh, various safety measures and make sort of assumptions like, you know, a robot isn't drunk and it's paying attention. But if the tech is bad or if the transparency is so bad that people don't trust it so they don't use it, so the business problem and the tech problem, then actually they won't save any lives because we won't know. Um, So I think that just to your point, Riley and Ed, to connect those two, that that is the root of why we're not hearing more we're sorry, we messed up. And more of a doubling down, as we saw yesterday from Cruz, insisting that they had, in fact, given the whole video to DMV and not saying sorry. Um, you know, this uh, this doubling down is um, would might make sense in a cynical way if Cruz was the only company developing autonomous vehicles with a product on the streets. And Kyle Vogt is absolutely right about one thing. This is inevitable. You, autonomous vehicles are inevitable, okay? But where he's wrong is no one needs to take a cruise. You can get in a Waymo. And you can get a Waymo right now, which has had none of these issues. So based on their cruise's you know, public stance, like which one would you get in? Like I know which one I'd get in because I don't want to be the guy in the car when something like this happens. See, now you know, I'm associated with that. You know, Years ago – before I joined many, before I joined Argo, um, I wrote uh, my big angry piece about the Uber ATG crash that killed Elaine Hertzberg, and I suggested, and as a joke, uh, an idea that I, I I forgot about. Like, doctors have a Hippocratic oath. Like, why isn't there an autonocratic oath? Like, where is that? And I used to, I, you know, I used to kind of snicker at Waymo saying, oh, their pace of growth has been glacial. Well, you know, Google's been in this space forever. Why aren't they expanding? And, um, you know, no, there's no such thing as, de- as deploying anything at scale without issues. However, looking back on the history of the sector, and it's, we're getting up there in age now, like, can anyone disagree with the notion that uh, Waymo, uh, uh, Waymo was actually wise to take a slow and measured approach? Really slow, really measured, because um, stuff like this can kill a company. 
Cruz could go away over this. Yeah, I, I'll I'll say something a little bit, um, I guess, contrary to this discussion, which is I wish that the first vehicle would have been a cruise vehicle, right? Because theoretically, if you played that back, this pedestrian would not have been hit at all if the first vehicle was a cruise. You could probably say that with some high level of accuracy. It wasn't, of course. And so it exposes in some ways the the place we are in, in AV development, which is that in many situations, a robot is way better than a human. And then in a few situations, um, the ones that get pointed out and rightfully so called out, um, they're not nearly as good as a human. And so we're just in this place where there's no perfect vehicle to take. And there's no example where taking a cruise 100% of the time for a whole year would be the better path. You could also argue the opposite. And it's, by the way, why I think that level five vehicles are impossible and never going to happen. Um, I think level four vehicles will. But I'm I, I kind of I think it's interesting that this is a, a rare A B test of like what's happened on a real road um, with two types of these vehicles, and this this sort of thing will happen again. And I guess at a high level, I mean I don't want to speak for the three of you, but I think the the way that we quote unquote litigate what happened with Cruz right now is perhaps most important from the people who want autonomous vehicles to happen the fastest, which I would raise my hand for. You know, I've invested in more automated vehicle companies than literally anyone other than the other partners here at Trucks. And I have a financial and an emotional and sort of spiritual interest in automated vehicles being on the road. That being said, I do think that when examples like this come up, the fact that I'm also willing to point out the things that have that were done in error is probably just as valid and is really interesting for the conversation. Of course, when this incident happens, if you take somebody who's predisposed to dislike automated vehicles, like you know our friend David Zipper, it, of course I know what David Zipper is going to say before I read his column. Um, but for people like Alex, you know, and all of us who I think have been really fascinated by this stuff actually saving lives. Um, this is actually the type of discussion that crews should be listening to and doing something from, um, which is obvious to all of us, but, um, I just wanted to make that point. So I, I just want to, I, I, if anyone from cruises is listening right now, I, I want to be clear. I actually came here. Well, up until yesterday, my plan for this, for this recording session was to talk about how I took my 97 year I'm sorry, 96 year old grandma on a fully driverless ride in San Francisco. And it was an absolutely mind-blowing experience. It was I was ready to come here and all and what I wanted to talk about is like, okay, like we need to, you know, accept that this is a really, you know, we've we've achieved something specific. I don't want to overblow it. It doesn't mean that AVs are about to be in every city, you know, in a year or two. But like what Waymo has achieved in San Francisco is absolutely incredible. Like it's just, you know, I'm I'm a little bit at a loss for words, which is very rare for me. Yes, it is. And 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 I think what people need to understand is that the reason I took my 97-year-old grandma on a on a fully driverless Waymo in one of the hardest somewhere where I've driven a lot and where I know how hard it is to drive 
is because I have followed Waymo for a while now. And I have, it's not just that I've been in their vehicles and seen the progress, but as Alex was alluding to, the culture, the choice, the hard choices that Waymo's made along the way, not to hype, not to overblow, not to get ahead of themselves, to take it steady, to take it slowly. Like that is how you build trust. And that is how you get someone like me who I, I agree. Like I think there's so much that we all want to see out of this technology. Um, but like, you know, we also shouldn't just rush clearly. If we've learned anything covering this space, you shouldn't just trust everybody. In fact, you have to be really careful about who you trust. And I think that, you know, what Cruz needs to really accept here, and I think everybody needs to take this moment to really accept, is that we know how you build trust in this space. And it's it's by, you know, making hard choices. And frankly, I think going forward from here, it's transparency. I think if you if, if this incident does not lead to real significant steps forward on transparency for the entire sector, all of the stuff which I, by the way, spent almost two years pushing at Partners for Automated Vehicle Education about how this technology depends on the public trust and all these companies want the public trust so badly, like don't make a liar out of me. Like that, prove that that was not all bullshit, please. I'm I'm begging you. But like, but this is the point where those words really need to start turning into material action because if it doesn't that amazing like this amazing accomplishment the wonder of the technological world that that has happened isn't going to matter um because you know trust is more easily lost than gained so I'll, my my comment is brief like it is in cruise's power right now to do something fantastic and good for not just for cruise but for the whole industry which is change how and what av companies share with the public and regulators earn that trust back and set the bar. If they do that really well, really well, then they may preserve and save not just cruise, but the American AV industry. It's really important that we have competition between American companies that uh, will develop technologies that can be exported to keep the, this country at you know the forefront of the development of this essential technology, which will, it's going to happen. The only question is who's going to develop and sell it. And so I hope that Cruise can transcend its failure of imagination here because there are fantastic people at the company, people I know, friends of mine, um, who whose voices may not be being heard and they need to be heard. I'll add something, which is <clears throat> I received a lot of messages from Cruise people. Um, I'm sorry, Waymo people, I should say, over the last day, um, some people who work there and used to work there because I think they're rightfully concerned that they're going to be put in the same category. Right. And so I think Alex, your comment is not only appropriate for Cruz, but actually I think people within Waymo would say the same thing. Like Waymo is in a much better spot if Cruz were to do some of those specific things you mentioned. Um, I received a, a former executive at Waymo and I were texting and I'll read a, a selection of this text message because I think it's germane to this discussion. And this is a quote, um, Waymo and GM Cruise approaches are indeed vastly different. Uh, for example, GM Cruise undercalled the quantity of safety driver monitored miles they need to pre-launch in San Francisco, for example. That choice led to literal carnage on the streets of SF. Shame on them. So much evidence everywhere on this point. I'm glad the California DMV has called them out. Um, in the second section, um, all the cruise specific issues and cruise specific metrics are and have been cruise specific and not AV generic. 
the media should understand this and use this approach 100% of the time. They do this with greater frequency recently, but frankly, it's inexcusable and a long time coming. The data and evidence are everywhere and have been for months. So, end quote. So I feel that the, the really interesting learning is that I actually think that everybody, and I don't even know if there'd be an entity that wouldn't feel this way, um, is actually in some ways pulling for crews to do the right thing. And we can argue what the right thing would be, but I actually think because of where we are in the AV cycle, and Alex and I talked about this last month in Germany, um, the successes by AV companies are their own, but their failures are shared universally. So when Cruise has a problem, Waymo has a problem, and May Mobility has a problem, and Gaddock has a problem. Um, and so it's just fascinating how the Waymo people actually do want one of their deepest competitors to do something better here. Yeah, I actually received some messages from some Waymo people, some Cruise people, and some other folks at other um, AV companies kind of weighing in on this. And I had an interesting discussion with one person about the sort of balance between appetite for risk and when that sort of crosses the line. And I think in this case, crews operationally did did that. They they have always shown we have we've called it aggressiveness, we've called it appetite for risk. Their risk profile has always been um much higher than Waymo's and other companies. And in some cases, we have on this show, but other guests and other friend, you know, people we know in the industry have given Cruise the credit for surviving because of that aggressiveness. And I think that this is an important, this is an important thing. There are very few companies left that actually have the money to do this. Because if you do go slow, like we used to kind of not criticize Waymo for, but it was a little bit like, what's their message here? Why are they so slow? What's going on? Well, you can do that if you have an endless supply of money. You can't do that if you don't have an endless supply of money or you do what GM did, which is put a very specific revenue goal that is very, very high, not far in the future, which is, I believe, a billion dollars in revenue by mid-decade. When you have that kind of pressure... I think the motivation for that appetite of risk can get you in real trouble. And so I think that that's where we talked a lot about the tech over the years, but this is where operational, you know, strategy really, really matters. And, you know, Waymo and Cruise both had vehicles on the streets in San Francisco. Waymo did have some issues where they would like circle on the same block, like some minor stuff. They certainly have been in minor fender benders. But cruise, the rate of incidents from cruise was exponentially higher, um, even with 50% of a fleet. So to me, that points to a real operational problem and a cultural problem probably around how far you push that appetite for risk. So I also just want to say, I think now we have a third data point where we see this correlation between the companies who most forward this sort of utilitarian ends justify the means logic most aggressively, who argued that, you know, as a result, it makes sense to take more risk, who do in fact take more risk, that that those now we have three examples that those are the companies that create the the, the, the incidents that really threaten the entire AV space, right? And those are Tesla, Uber, ATG, which is now gone, 
and, and now Cruz adds themselves to those lists. Now, I don't want to equate them. They're all different. They, they, they message differently. They're doing different things, but there's like sort of a, a general profile. There's, there's commonalities between those three. They're, they're sort of cultures and sort of the ideology and that, that, that sort of runs through how they talk about this technology and, and their approach to it. And, and outcomes, which again, as, as we've discussed, don't, haven't just hurt them individually as companies or, or individually the executives leading those companies, but the, the entire space. And I don't know how many more data points we need, you know, to understand that like, this is not a move fast break stuff kind of technology, that this is fundamentally a, a technology that, that where you have to, you have to move slow. You have to be detail oriented. You have to be principled and ultimately to build up the acceptance um, you know, you have to be, uh, uh, I think, humble and transparent, right? Um, and and you have to really prove that that this this building that you actually want to build trust that you're not just sort of saying that trust is is important. Move slow and break hard. That's your your <laughs> new bumper break sticker. Often, yeah, move slow, win market share. Um, I mean, but yeah, then you have imagine- then you have to have the money though. Then you have to have the money to be able to move slow, right? I mean, you would agree with that. Yeah. Imagine for a moment that and and Alex, I have another question for you. If you move slow, like look at we have talked about this before in terms of with Argo. I know your NDA hasn't expired yet, but with Argo, I think you can speak to this. If they had maybe been a little bit more public and aggressive, then do you think that and hadn't moved so slow? I'm not saying being risky. I'm just saying like. Like, isn't there an upside sometimes to to doing not totally what Cruz did, but to being like, where's the balance? I guess I want your opinion. Well, uh, you're asking me like, what would have happened if Argo still existed today? Where would we they be on the board? No, how would they have been able to exist longer? Could it have been? Is there an argument to to move a little faster? We know the safety reason for moving slower, but if you run out of money, um, for sure, uh, I thought. That at at the time at the point that Argo shut down is almost almost exactly a year ago. I thought that Argo's operational depth of bench, a phrase I use a lot, which, you know, which is the quality and quantity of people behind humans and processes behind each autonomous vehicle, was exceptional. That you know from the you know from so many aspects, we'll take a whole episode to discuss. And so I don't think I I don't think Argo would have had an incident like this. I think Argo was you know parallel or tracking parallel or even potentially better than Waymo for its operational depth of bench, or at least the quality of people. So um, that does a, that's an insurance policy. There's a, that's a bit of an insurance policy against an incident. But as Ravi said, an incident is inevitable. It's a question of what kind of incident, how severe it is it, and how do you handle it? Now, something really important to consider here is let's imagine for a moment that the big stack like – Big stack companies, Waymo, Cruise, Motional, um, maybe Zooks, uh, the folks who are developing the tech and um, also the app, you know, want to be the interface with a customer. Let's imagine those companies didn't exist or went away. How do AVs get deployed? The space become is ceded to um, the companies who are generating revenue, if not profits, while developing level four. That's Tesla with their own cars and Mobileye with no, no cars of their own. So the future of AV becomes splintered, or at least RoboTaxi, um, among several other approaches. And we don't yet know which, if any of these approaches, is going to be successful. We, we just don't know. We haven't seen a 
profitable robotaxi business deployed anywhere. And so uh, it's really important. I'm going to quadruple down on what Riley said, that crews solve this such that their approach, or at least the business model of what they're doing, and Waymo's and Motional's has a shot. So the territory isn't ceded to alter, to multiple other approaches, which might be delayed by many years. Yeah, and maybe I'd add to Kirsten's question. You know, from our portfolio, Gaddick and May are examples of companies that clearly are not as well known as Waymo or Cruise. Um, they thankfully did not SPAC in 2021. Um, you know, May has raised. The total amount of money that May has raised is equivalent to one month of cruises burn um, in total, and they've been on the road since 2018. So there are examples of that. They're few and far between. If we go back three or four years ago, you had Oliver Cameron's company, you had other like trucking companies. There are fewer of them now because I think one of the fascinating things you guys are pointing out is the financing pace for some of these companies is the strategy, which is unusual, but it's true. And that a lot of these companies actually pace the whole, the whole MO of the company is around the way, the manner in which, and the speed with which you can get financing. I'm not saying that that is, that that was the only reason why some companies years ago are no longer still in business, but it's certainly one of them. And I think, you know, it's, we just have very few examples of these companies that maybe have been on the slightly slower path or like tortoise and hare. Yeah. Kodiak, May Mobility are just a couple, but to me, that's always been sort of the one of the biggest challenges around frontier tech, which is this, the amount of money it requires um, to get to, let's say, commercialization and then pairing that with the culture that moves slow and is make, but still makes progress and is still safe. Like it's a very difficult combination and there is no, in the short term winning to the company that does go slow because they're trying to get money, mm-hmm. but there's absolutely a long-term, you know, upside to that, which, you know, we've seen a lot of companies um, fold because they maybe didn't make progress soon enough or the larger around the economy or like an Uber ATG's case, safety issue, a bad culture problem. So, so I have one last question. Um, and, and it's, I, I'm just, I want to hear your guys' predictions for how this play out. Cause there's a couple pieces that make it hard for me to like, kind of see how things move forward here. One, I don't know Kyle well enough to know, is he the kind of guy who might completely reverse his position, come out, do a real mea culpa, or is that like not in him and he would rather just leave um, the, the job? I, I genuinely don't know well, well enough to, to know that answer. Kirsten, I know you've spent a bit of time with him. Uh, Riley, I, I think you maybe have as well. I'm curious your thoughts on that. But then the other piece that I don't know, so, so General Motors is also kind of the only OEM that is as fully invested in the L4 company as, as, as they, right, they're the, the, the most invested in L4 company of any major OEM. I don't, I'm not super plugged into the internal politics at GM. I have to assume that there's got to be factions there that say, why, why are we still dumping, I think what's like two and a half billion dollars a year, something like that into, into cruise, like, like lots of money. Um, that's an investment you have to keep justifying. Um, I'm curious if anybody has thoughts on, on, on whether, you know, this might, might prompt something on the GM side as well. So I don't know who wants to start. Who do you, I mean, who, 
Let's imagine Kyle says, I'm promoting myself up. Who, who takes that seat? Who, who would have the authority, respect, and loyalty or, or loyalty to take that seat? I mean, that seems like an organizational problem in, in itself, right? That, that there isn't an answer. I mean, maybe, there's a, maybe someone has a good answer. I don't. I think the answer, well, I would say specifically for that, I think you'd have to bring in, you know, at the very least, Mark Rosekind, you hire him as head of safety. Um, and now the, uh, the, the moonshot version of that is you actually like hire Missy Cummings, um, <laughs> you know, no. and of course she wouldn't, I don't know her that well, but I don't think she would do that. But those would be like different clicks on the dial for how seriously you want to take it. Um, I do know Kyle on a, I would say at a low level and, you know, he's a super smart guy. I'm also, you know, one of my first all completely driverless cars was in a cruise. And I think that there's a lot of good reasons for crews to want to expand their fleet, but it's not an absolutist view. You know, cruise has to do this in a way that is really smart, not only for crews, but also for the other actors in the space. So I hope that he, he would do a full mea culpa on this particular incident that happened on October 2nd. If Brian Seleski is not running Stack AV, I would say call Brian, whom everybody trusts and loves, <laughs> and then have – and bring in some amazing I – mean, Rose kind, who knows, someone with incredible authority, moral authority, reduce the size of deployments – and run quietly in a slow burn and really go to town on an amazing media plan to show how these things work and why this issue, issue could never happen again and um, move on. Just move on. So it, it sounds like everyone thinks GM GM's going to stand by their man here, though. Not I think so. But I think so. I think they will. Yeah, I think it would be very difficult to – completely i think that there will be changes but uh in terms of getting rid of kyle or something i just you know there's 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 a lot to unwind there um i don't know kyle super well but i've interviewed him multiple times and my sense from him to echo riley super smart guy i i don't think he i think he knows that this is a bad situation but i also believe that he completely ideologically believes that tech can solve real serious problems in the world. And it's hard to sometimes change that position when that is your your true belief. Um, so we'll see what he does. And I think it's going to come down potentially to GM forcing that change with him. Um, and what I would like to see is a complete cult safety culture change within the company. And that is going to start from the top down and going slow probably not announcing a bunch more cities this year. That would be bad. That would be really fucking dumb. Don't do that. Um, and probably go back to really thinking through um, operationally, probably having more operational support than it's necessary right now, even though you'll probably lose more money. All those, th those things I'd like to see. But we'll see what happens um, in the next couple of days. We do have one other thing to talk about if – if you all are done with your, I got one more okay. thing to say about okay. this. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Fine. So, I mean, if you think of all the questions that when I was at Argo city officials, regulators, stuff would want the things people want to know. It's like, 
Like, is there a teleoperator remote guidance? How many people? What's the backup? What's the time? How much time passes between an, an incident, a stoppage, and someone taking over, or even look at it? Like, really fundamentals. No AV companies reveal this. Like, this is like, I had to say, like, tragically, a golden opportunity to be the company that wins bigly for like just just do an end run around this 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 tragedy and become the the, the company that sets the bar. For transparency and safety, it's in Kyle's power to do that. So do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, every question that you've never wanted to answer, answer it tomorrow, and set the bar. If he doesn't do that, then perhaps cruise employees will be looking for a job, which is my perfect segue to to actually the other reason why we had Riley on. um, A lot of people know Riley's newsletter. which I started reading years and years ago. And, but there's also this sort of jobs board element. And Riley, can you tell us a little bit about like what actually it is and then what you're planning on doing with it now? Sure. So a few years ago, you know, the trucks portfolio is now about 60 companies over the last eight years. And we, every one of those entities uses a different system for putting their jobs out. So Indeed and Lever and all these different things, LinkedIn. And actually what I was trying to figure out years ago was how do I just see all the companies from the trucks companies in one place, which was actually just technically a really annoying thing. And I'd have to like hunt and pack it, you know, dozens of different websites. So two years ago, we made this job board, which is at mobilityjobs.com. The first idea we had was let's just put all the trucks companies there and if you're a trucks company, you can use it for free. Eventually, other startups um, asked us if they could put their jobs up. So we tr- I charged them for it. And then big companies came to us and were like asking for all these other tools. And to be honest, the, the first job I was trying to figure out was just to get the trucks companies in one spot. So it's been a few years. A couple thousand jobs have been posted by trucks companies, a hundred or so by non-trucks companies. Um, and so recently in the last week made the decision to move to a new plan where basically any startup can use the job board. So as long as it's not a, you know, GM or Stellantis or something like that, any startup in transportation can use it for free. They just have to enter the code trucks at checkout and they can post their jobs just like a truck company would. Um, it's pretty useful. There's 400 jobs posted there right now. Um, so if you're looking for a job in the space and you, you know, want to work at a trucks company, there's a lot there in the future because of this decision to make it free to everybody to use from a startup perspective, you can, you know, find jobs at other companies. So, um, I encourage you to use it. Um, we, I know we filled like a ton of jobs from people. People write me all the time saying they found a job on the job board and, um, I hope you guys get to use it and, um, it's just a resource that we built over the last few years. And how do people either post a job to now that you've opened it up? Is it is there a super easy form where you just click and fill it out? It's pretty easy. Yep. You just you you can post for free with the code trucks on mobilityjobs.com. I don't even I think you do have to create a, a login, but um it's pretty simple. You could post a job in like under a minute if you really wanted to. I'm I'm going to be keeping an eye out there for the uh, you know cruise CEO job listing. Oh jeez. <laughs> okay. Too <laughs> 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 soon. Too soon. <laughs>
on that note uh riley um thank you so much for joining us and to our audience thank you for listening to another episode of the atonicast thanks everyone talk soon